Hey y'all, Ohio Crime Mom here. I was originally planning on just jumping straight into the case, but there is an active Amber Alert in my area. The little girl's name is Alyssa Abrams and she is two years old and she is autistic and nonverbal. She is believed to be with her grandmother, Dottie Rollins. So if you know anything, please call 513-722-3200. But now we are gonna just go ahead and jump into the case and this week's case is on Alyssa Turney. So Alyssa was born on April 23rd, 1984 to Barbara and Stephen Strom. Barbara and Stephen wouldn't last long though and would end up being divorced. By the time Alyssa was three, Barbara had married Michael Turney. Michael Turney legally adopted Alyssa and her older brother. So this put Michael up to six children. He had three sons and a daughter before he met Barbara, but he did not claim the daughter. In 1988, Alyssa's sister, Sarah Turney was born. And shortly after this, Barbara would find out that she had lung cancer. When Alyssa was nine and Sarah was four, Barbara would pass away. So now we're going to get into the day that Alyssa went missing. On May 17th of 2001 in Phoenix, Arizona, it was the last day of school. This day was already an early dismissal, but for some reason, Michael Turney picked Alyssa up early that day. The believed time of pickup is between 10.30 and 11.30 a.m. Alyssa stopped by her boyfriend John's class and told him that her dad was picking her up early and that she would see him later that night. She had also told quite a few friends that she would see them later that night at an end-of-the-year party. According to Michael Turney, him and Alyssa went and got some food and then headed home. When they got back home, they got into an argument about Alyssa wanting more freedom, and Michael basically told her no as long as she lived under his roof. He says that this was the last time that he saw Alyssa and that she was storming off to her room. Turney then says he left and did some shopping and that he picked up Sarah Turney. Sarah Turney doesn't remember what time Michael picked her up, but thinks it was between 5 and 7 because it was close to the time of it getting dark. When Sarah got in the car, Michael had told her he couldn't get a hold of Alyssa and told Sarah to call her from his cell, but Sarah got no answer either. When they got home, Alyssa wasn't there and her backpack had been dumped out in the middle of, the, of her tidy bedroom, but the backpack was missing. Sarah soon found a note after this on Alyssa's dresser that said, Dad and Sarah, when you dropped me off at school today, I decided that I really am going to California. Sarah, you said you wanted me, or you didn't want me around. Look, you got it. I'm gone. That's why I saved my money. Dad, I took $300 from you. Alyssa. Alyssa left all of her belongings behind and had taken none of the money that she had saved up. Alyssa had over $1,800 in the bank that was from her job at Jack in the Box, but none of it was ever touched. On the night that Alyssa went missing, Sarah remembers Michael going into search mode. He immediately began making flyers and calling all of her friends. But when Michael called the police, he said his daughter had ran away to her aunts in California. The police would file a missing persons report, but they did no searches or investigation. As a matter of fact, the police didn't even come to the turning home that night. Shortly after Alyssa went missing, Michael began taking trips to California and even took Sarah one time with them on one of these trips. Sorry about the brief pause. As I've said before, I record um, outside on my front porch, so when there's traffic going by, it can be a little bit loud. Um, one week after Alyssa had disappeared, Turney supposedly got a phone call in the middle of the night from Alyssa where she yelled at him and told him to basically leave her alone. The problem with this is Michael Turney was huge on surveillance and when I say huge I mean he had security cameras around the entire outside of the home 
and even some on the inside that the girls didn't even know about. He had a recorder on the phone that basically every time an incoming or outcoming or outgoing call would happen, the moment that that phone receiver was picked up, it would start recording. And this is why I'm skeptical about the call from Alyssa because there is no recording due to supposed system malfunction. He ended up suing AT&T for the phone records, which did show a call come from a payphone in Riverside, California, but that's only to prove that a call happened, not who was on the phone. And Alyssa, or Sarah even says that Michael had went to California before this phone call ever happened. So it's very easy that he either had somebody he knew in California or paid somebody to make a phone call. Um, the police had also never have never seen the security camera footage from that day. According to Turney, he reviewed the tapes himself and there was nothing of interest on them. So he recorded over them. And Sarah does say that this is weird because there is multiple years worth of security footage that's still around. But so now we're going to talk about Alyssa's life leading up to the disappearance. Starting in the most recent part. One week before Alyssa went missing, Michael called CPS saying that if Alyssa had called and accused him of molestation that it was a lie and she was doing it because she was mad he would not get her a car. One month before Alyssa went missing, Michael made Alyssa sign a contract. Now, he had had her sign contracts quite often in the past, but this was a different kind of contract. This one literally stated that he had never molested or abused her. Michael was extremely overprotective of Alyssa, but wasn't with any of his other kids. He told everyone, including the school, that Alyssa had ADD and was challenged. He did everything he could to discredit anything Alyssa said. He even showed a video from one of his hidden cameras to Alyssa's boyfriend, John, of her kissing another guy and tried to break them up. Now, this didn't work, however, because Alyssa had, had told John and plenty of other people that Michael Turney had been molesting her since she was very young. Before Alyssa's mother, Barbara, passed away, she actually took Alyssa to the doctor to see if there was any signs of sexual abuse. At nine years old, she told her teacher, who was also having an affair with Turney, that her and her dad were having sex. Multiple friends and family members came forward saying Alyssa had told them the same thing. CPS did visit them a new number of times when Sarah and Alyssa were little, but nothing ever happened. So now we're going to jump ahead to 2006. This was when Alyssa's case would finally get some attention. Thomas Heimer, who was already convicted of the murder of Sandra Goodman, had wrote a letter to Phoenix PD. In this letter, he told them he would make them famous because he was a serial killer and he had killed 21 people, including Alyssa. Will Anderson and Stuart Summershoe, detectives from the Missing and Unidentified Persons Unit in Phoenix, flew out to Florida to question Heimer in person. Heimer claimed a lot of things about Alyssa, one of them being that she was addicted to heroin, which was far from true. Eventually, Heimer did admit that his confession was false, but due to his false confession, there was light finally shed on Alyssa's case. So, these detectives started working on Alyssa's case in 2006 when this was all brought to light. But now we're going to go ahead and jump ahead to December of 2008. In December of 2008, Phoenix PD obtained a search warrant for the Turney home. They had tried to cooperate with Michael for years, um, trying to get him to come in and do a polygraph, an interview, to turn over footage, um... I mean, basically anything that would be helpful in the case, they begged him to help with, and he would do nothing. So eventually, they obtained the search warrant. 
They actually served the search warrant and detained Michael Turney when he went to the check his mail. Turney was armed with two handguns and had seven magazines and a knife on him as well. When the police went inside, they found 19 high-caliber assault weapons, homemade silencers, and 26 homemade pipe bombs. They had to evacuate the neighborhood just so the bomb squad could come in and do their job. Michael Turney had also written a 98-page manifesto. The manifesto was named Story of a Madman Martyr Lost an Obsession for Justice 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 and Closure in the Wrong Place at the Wrong Time to See Things Better Not Witnessed. His manifesto was basically an outline to commit an act of terrorism on the local branch of the electrician's union that he had previously worked for. Turney said that this was his way to avenge Alyssa's murder. Which is strange because according to him all those years, Alyssa had ran away and now he's saying this is to avenge her murder. He claims that the Union sent two assassins to kidnap and murder Alyssa. He also claims he found the two assassins and murdered them. In September of 2010, Michael Turney was sentenced to 10 years in federal prison and he would be released in 2017. The entire time that Turney was in prison, Sarah was promised that he would be arrested for Alyssa's murder the day he was released. And the reason that they wouldn't arrest him for the murder while he was in prison already was they did not want him to be able to combine his sentences. But just three days before Michael Turney's release, Detective Summershoe and Anderson were reassigned. After this happened, Sarah would try and talk to the new detectives, but to no avail. They said that the things had changed. Um, they couldn't really do the arrest because there was no body. Um, but they also wouldn't help Sarah look for a body either. Sarah talked to her father after release. And you can hear a full recording on Sarah's podcast, which is called Voices for Justice. Um, I'm pretty sure you can also hear the full recording on YouTube, but I'm not 100%. But I know for a fact you can hear the entire phone call or phone call entire time that she talked to him um, on her podcast Voices for Justice but the main line that I feel is most important from this conversation was and I quote be there on my deathbed Sarah and I'll give you honest answers you want to hear end quote Sarah was told the only way that they would prosecute was to get a lot of immediate attention so she did just a little over a week ago Michael Turney now 72, was arrested and charged with second-degree murder. His uh, arraignment was actually today, and I do follow Sarah on every platform that there is possible. Um, she has not updated today. She is being a little more silent since this happened, and I can't imagine. When Sarah was a young kid, she loved her father, and she actually did not believe that her father was guilty of this until he was arrested on the bomb charges. So, to her he was just her dad and then all of a sudden all of that had to change so I as much as she wants justice for Alyssa it has to be extremely hard for her to know that getting justice for Alyssa means her father being in prison the rest of his life because he hurt her um, I do believe that the second degree murder charge will be changed to first degree later down the road but I am incredibly happy that Alyssa is finally getting her justice so that's all I have for today's case. Um, it is a little bit shorter of a case. Um, if you want more in-depth information, interviews with people who are a part of the family or a part of the 
investigative team. I'm, I highly recommend that you go and check Alyssa's podcast or Sarah's podcast, Voices for Justice. You can find it, I know for sure, on Stitcher and Spotify, Apple and Google. And I'm sure there's others, but I'm not entirely sure. But this week for our small business spotlight, we have a new one. And she is the Beat Boss Lady. My friend Danielle is the owner of this company. And when I tell you she has the cutest jewelry for affordable prices, I mean it. She makes custom necklaces, bracelets, earrings, and so much more. She also has a monthly earring club, which costs $12, but that includes your shipping. And I have gotten the cutest earrings every month. My first month, I got sea turtles and a little pair of studs. And then my second month, I got pineapples and a little pair of studs. You always get like one little pair of studs, um, but they kind of look like the, they're not the jersey or however you say it, but they're um, made out of, I believe it's resin. Um, but I have extremely sensitive ears. I cannot wear a lot of earrings because they bother my ears, but her earrings have not bothered my ears, not one time. Um, and I will have my new months sometime this early week and I will post pictures of them on Insta and on Facebook. Um, I do have a Facebook group now that is Ohio Crime Mom as well. So if you want some cute affordable jewelry, I really think you should go check out um, Danielle's company. You can find her on Facebook by searching the Bead Boss Lady. But that's it for this week's episode. So be sure to jump on Facebook and Insta Live tomorrow for both of both of them. Um, they're both called Ohio Crime Mom, and we are going to discuss this week's case. Or you can send me an email now to ohiocrimemom at gmail. Um, as of today's recording, I have 241 plays on my podcast and 23 subscribers. And I cannot thank you all from the bottom of my heart. Um, I also have talked about it on my Facebook and Insta Live. So if you have been watching on there, you have seen it. Um, and I'm going to discuss it a little bit more in the coming weeks. But there is a link now in the description of the podcast um, that is for a paid sponsorship for me. Now, I understand you absolutely do not have to donate. I appreciate you just listening. Um, but this sponsorship would help me be able to get better podcast equipment. Um, I'm mainly just looking for a microphone at this point in time. Once I get the microphone, I'll be able to make better quality podcasts for you guys. And then once I get that, and I will talk about it a little more in next week's episode. Um, after that, if you want to continue to send in money, what I'm going to do is every bit of my donations monthly will be getting sent to Thorn. Um, so I will um, post a little more about Thorn on Facebook and Instagram tomorrow so that way you guys have a better idea or and I will also post a link to where you can go donate to just them if you would like that would be awesome as well but Thorn is to help in sex trafficking and right now with the hashtag save our children being so popular I think that this is an extremely great organization to donate to so with that being said I will see you guys on Facebook and Insta live tomorrow and this has been Ohio Crime Mom thanks